Hello and welcome to Plus One to Gaming. I'm Chris. And I'm Eric. I'm Billy. And I'm Mark. And today we are revisiting our Zero session for Adventure 4 and Candlekeep Mysteries, A Deep and Creeping Darkness. It's been a while since we've had the whole table together, so welcome back, everyone. We've had a few weeks in between since that last Zero session we had, and now, you know, in that, in that time between, I think all three of us took major pivots with our characters and our backstories. So we thought it'd be smart to share our character updates and maybe establish some party dynamics. And then Mark, give you a chance to jump in with any you know game or setting things you want to share. So does that sound good for everybody? Yeah, sounds great. All right, Billy, I think you surprised all of us with your character choice uh, going from our zero session to where we are now. Do you want to go first and introduce your character and tell us a little bit about them? So I definitely pivoted hard. I I just didn't think this was the time or the place to throw in my uh, character that's like a super multi-class just because I would have to reskin a bunch of different classes at once. Uh, and it just, it's not the best time. And so like, oh, having like a part wizard, part, you know, ranger, part bard, like that, there's no direct. So it would have been like a part Jedi, part bounty hunter, part, you know, it just didn't work as fun. So then I was listening to your your introduction to your characters and and I thought that I'm kind of become uh, predictable in that I make like goofy characters that aren't really that useful, but are just fun to play. And so I thought I'm going to have a character that's 100 percent not utilitarian. He is combat oriented. He has some utility, but it is a a, a traditional D&D character in the Star Wars realm. So no tech, no spacefaring anything. Like it is one of the forgotten races, kind of boring races that I that I thought until I saw that it's a popular uh, race in Star Wars Old Republic game. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently it's one of those. So I thought I was onto something with like the goofy guard guys that look like they're wearing giant diapers. Well, stop teasing us. What, tell us, tell us, tell us what your character yeah, so, is. Uh, my character's name—it's—it's it's hard to pronounce because he doesn't speak common. Uh, his name is like Uh so I put it down as Gub Grulk, but it's just guttural sounds. Um, he is a Gamorian barbarian, which are those green pig monsters that were the guards in the hut. Um, in, in the star in the traditional Star Wars universe, uh, you see them, you know, they have the battle, battle axes and they kind of just squeal a lot and die. But uh, Groot Gulp is a ex bodyguard. It's not much known about his early childhood. Quickly, he rose up the ranks in the hut cartel, hut clan, whatever you want to call them uh, as a bodyguard and was kind of their guard captain, as, as they call it. So he had led a guard squad. And some things happened that we can find out maybe later on, or I don't know, it's hard to, to find out his backstory because you don't really know. But he is no longer a hot bodyguard. He is now a mercenary barbarian, which I thought was the most perfect class for a Gamorrean because they just charge in and and swing and they have big heavy axes and and i thought this one would work perfectly for for star wars like everybody else has had to reskin their their classes to be more high tech and use robots instead of animals and use blasters instead of you know pistols but he still uses a bo uh, battle axe he does everything 100 by the book as a barbarian so there's That's absolutely awesome. no changes at all he is yeah. just a barbarian um, mm. I think that's cool. I mean, that's a direct, you know, like the reskinning on that. I really like. I think it makes yeah. total sense. Yeah, I mean, the reskinning the race, but yeah, re not reskinning at all the the class. So I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, like that dovetails perfectly. Yeah. So with but, the race, what did you reskin? Is it half work? Kind of. Uh, I threw it. It's mostly half work. There was if I, there was already a, a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, Star Wars stuff out there and so there actually was something for the Gamorrean um but I didn't use it 
perfectly. It's kind of like a half orc with that makes sense though. Yeah, with with just I changed the uh, what they got, which was you know because they're all just it's strength and constitution because they very similar to that the half orc and had like the savage attacks, which is a half orc thing, which I you know all that fun stuff. Yeah, um, I mean that's a, it seems like a perfect carryover for for Gamorian. Bill, do you, can you share? I guess like one thing that I want to know from all of our characters is like why why are they now an adventurer like is that something that you can share at this point or do you want to save hold it for the the story in game i can share okay so here's the hard part that we should probably talk about is that um gub doesn't speak common he can only speak gamorian he understands other languages but he cannot vocalize anything but that guttural pig language I don't remember seeing anybody that speaks Gamorian. So I don't know if you guys are going to be able to understand his communications directly. So I think a lot of the communication from him is going to be based on gestures and nodding, like simple, simple, wait, go over there. I understand. Yes. Type of type of things. So, Mm. um, is so that I, just quickly is that something that you're like excited to role play or is that something that you feel like it's kind of an unfortunate part of this reskin i think it's well, I, I was thinking it was going to be unfortunate like how am i going to do this and i was thinking that maybe you oh the droids will just um you know uh translate but you know, they're not protocol droids. None of Nobody has a protocol droid, so they're not translating. Um, so they may not be able to translate. And so I, the more I thought about it, the more I realized it, it's, it's actually going to be fun because I'll, number one, it keeps me from kind of running the show because I won't be able to make a lot of decisions. I can just hint, like, point at directions and nod or growl if somebody says something I don't want to do. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be a challenge to me, which is kind of what I like. That's why I make uh, characters that aren't really effective because it's fun for me to try to overcome self-inflicted challenges. So I think this is one of them. That's but... cool. Actually, Billy, it's it's so funny. I have my notes on screen and I have like for our qu- characters, I have some questions that I wanted to ask you guys to just like learn more about them and to share that with our listeners. And it's so freaking weird because you basically, without even knowing you went ahead and answered all of these questions, which I love you for. Thank you. Is there anything else unique about this character that you want to share? Like, do you want to share maybe these ideals, traits, bonds, and flaws a little bit to like kind of give us like what, what motivates this character? I think that might be the last question that I have for you. Sure. So, um, he is very action oriented. He doesn't talk a lot. Not only can you not talk, understand him, but even, Two other Gamorians, he's not a, a talker. So his, his trait is talking is overrated, action is better. And the direct solution is the best solution. So he's kind of a, not a charge forward, but, you know, not a super planner. He just does what he needs to do to get things done. Um, his ideals are gaining power is a mean unto itself. And so his goal is to just get his it's much power and power to everybody is different. But for him, it is the ability to kill literal power. And that is his, his goal. And he hates force users, the force wielders, as he calls them. Um, and you can find it's tied to his backstory. We can maybe get into it before, but he, any force wielder at all, uh, he cannot stand. So, that with a barbarian who can go into rage, maybe that so has some fun aspects to it. Yeah. Um, his bond is uh, one is only as strong as his word. So he is very direct, very honest. You know, he doesn't do any subterfuge. He will tell you exactly what he's going to do, and then he's going to do it. And he doesn't like sneaking around or you know subtlety or any of that stuff. Not only does he not understand it, but he doesn't like it. Okay. So uh, uh, how do you think you'll play this character? in the game like do you have kind of an idea of how you want to role play them yeah so he's going to be kind of just he's used to being like even as a captain of a bodyguard he's used to just being hired muscle and so that's how i'm going to play him is that he's hired muscle 
for this event. I don't know how you guys can tie it in that he was hired as muscle, but he's not one to question his things. Uh, he does what he's told. He, but if you try to trick him or betray him or any of that stuff, you know, he's a barbarian. He does get mad. Um, but it's mostly he just he's a he's a soldier first and foremost he's, he follows orders at direct you know direct me to where I'm going to go and I'm going to go there type of thing um so that's where how I'm going to play him very cool awesome character eric nice. do you want to uh, introduce your character so my character's name is ark coon and <laughs> Well played. <laughs> I've seen both of those are Star Wars names from like like XR Kuhn and in uh, the old Republic game, there was a guy named Arik. Yeah. Um, I was like, Arik's right. great. Perfect. Um, and her trusty little astromech RX 13. So Arik came from a backwater town or a backwater world at the edge of the galaxy in the outer rim. Uh, she's the daughter of a like junker, junk salesman kind of thing. Uh, she spent her childhood kind of tinkering in the shop and kind of aimless, not really having any drive and not having any, any real way off of the planet or into a better life. And one day a bounty hunter came to her town looking for a mark. He asked her to help out a little bit, and she did. Nothing dramatic, but when the bounty hunter caught his collar, he flipped her a coin and basically told her, like, hey, when you when you grow up, come find me. I'll I'll sponsor you into the bounty hunters guild. Uh, so Ark joined the military. I don't know what time frame we're in, so I don't know what military she was in. Um, Republic or Empire. She got basic training. She learned to, to use a blaster and fly a ship. She graduated at the top of her, her cadet school. Um, and went into the special forces, but was hurt on a training mission shortly thereafter. So she didn't get to spend a lot of time in the military. So after being discharged, she decided there was nothing else to do. So she sought out the bounty hunter um, and he sponsored her to join the guild. So she's a newly gilded bounty hunter looking to make some money, get some collars, do whatever she needs to do so that she can buy a ship um, in order to basically like make it to the big leagues very cool so with Arik, what's uh what the race and class what what are we looking at here uh she's a human ranger uh i wanted to do kind of you know like a a race reskin but i found just kind of looking around the um concept art that inspired this character so talking about like the pivots we we all went on i originally wanted to be an astromech and then an, similar to billy's communication problem realized like that might not might not work and astromechs are like really mechanically focused and like so i'm not going to have any utility because i'm not going to be like fixing you guys so then i decided okay maybe then a, a uh, medical droid because that is you know fixing you guys but then i saw this concept art of this character and was like oh never mind <laughs> i want to play her and she was a human so uh, i did not reskin a race um and she's a ranger she's a ranger with a primal companion which is one of the options that made like the the beastmaster actually playable Do you want to tell um, us a little bit about that yeah so normal rangers it has been a very long time since i've played a ranger and i'm not sure i've ever played a beastmaster one but you have to like summon your pets and they they're like spells almost uh the primal companion the pet just stays with you all the time and you can choose between like a a beast of the land sea or sky and they come with their own stat block and everything so basically i i reskinned a beast of the land into the astromech rx13 nice. um so in combat the beast acts on your turn so it's i, I believe they use my bonus action to to do whatever um so it can move and use its reaction on its own, but it can. But the only action it takes is the dodge unless I tell it to do something. So it, it has, again, its own stat block and it can do some things. I was I was thinking about potentially like splitting up my skills and giving 
giving RX like I don't know, like I want him to be able to like hack stuff, like to, like open doors and stuff the way that Astromechs do in Star yeah. Wars. Um, so like lock picking or or something like that. Like if I were going to do it, I would just have him do it, just like kind of like thematically. Yeah. Um, but I don't even have the I have th- uh, these t- tools, um, and but I don't even have sleight of hand proficiency. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I can add my proficiency bonus to any ability check that he makes. Um, he has a charge, so basically just like full steam ahead, runs into somebody. Um, and they have a maul. So uh, basically like, what is it? It's 1d8 plus 2 plus PB slashing damage. I don't know what PB is. I see that in here a couple times. Proficiency bonus. I thought I might change that damage to um like shock damage and he just has like a little taser thing similar yeah. to like R2 and stuff like that because I don't want him to like have like a buzz saw to come out and slash somebody that's kind of gruesome. <laughs> but yeah, that's like R2 and Chopper both had like stun gun. Yeah. And he's I actually looked for a chopper like soundboard because I like Chopper's voice better than R2's voice. R2's voice drives me crazy. And Chopper's awesome. I was actually I was thinking about buying a kazoo. <laughs> because that's that so i don't know if you knew this mark but chopper is dave filoni oh no i didn't know that he voice acts it and i don't know how but it sounds like he's just talking through a damn kazoo um so that could still happen i guess we don't know but yeah so that's I'm, i've i've based him on pretty severely off of chopper but yeah that's the primal companion awesome uh how are you challenging yourself with this character Kind of going back to our conversation a couple of weeks ago about like getting better at D and D, setting your goal. Like, what are you bringing in from that conversation with this character? Yes, I mean, kind of similar to Billy. This is even though it's like reskinned a ranger into a bounty hunter. It's it's a very nuts and bolts D and D class, uh, like kind of classic archetype. Um, I picked all the personality and ideals and bonds and flaws from you know the list that we get. I didn't write why well, I, I changed one. A little bit um but the way the challenge that i think i have and the way that i'm going to challenge myself is that this character would typically be like the the loner kind of brooding edgelord kind of uh and i want to try to find a way to to do that in a in a way that like is still very conducive to gameplay and like um team play so another one of the kind of inspirations and something I thought was was really neat about the Mandalorian the the show was that like every other Mandalorian or bounty hunter or like lone ranger type figure they are alone they do it by themselves but Mando always asks for help and always like enlists friends and stuff to to get stuff done and I thought that was really interesting cuz you never see that as like a an archetype on any any real like movies or shows like it's always like i'll do this on my own like mando and grogu are the lone wolf and cub like pretty cut and dry like that's their uh trope and that trope doesn't play well with others kind of thing Mm um but but he again like in almost every episode he's like working collaboratively with with somebody um so i want to try to bring some of that into the uh, what would also normally be a very classically like solo oriented uh personality nice so then based on that what are you looking to get out of this character it's a weird question um like in terms of like when you when you get that like oh man this was a really great session because i was able to do this with my character like what would that look like i did okay good okay so i did make her like bond her bond is i need a ship if i'm going to become a great bounty hunter so like she does have a pretty like kind of selfish goal like not necessarily selfish but it's not like i want to help others like it is i need to get this for my career basically so i I think a great session would be like if i can move her toward her goal and have her kind of grow in in the more like team oriented vein also so like basically going down two paths of of growth like growth becoming like a a more social person and and helping others when that's not that's not necessarily her goal but 
I think she she is a good person. I put lawful evil as the alignment, but I don't remember doing that. That might be a holdover from somebody else. <laughs> um, I would say she's probably lawful neutral. So to potentially like maybe move her into like kind of a lawful good ish through like storytelling. I want her to grow a little bit. That's cool. So you're like kind of like balancing the or reconciling the selfish goal with the team oriented goal. And then at the same point, moving them along that alignment continuum. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a standard story arc character arc. Like she starts out kind of selfish and only worried about herself. Um, however, we come into contact with the team over time. You know, at the beginning, they're probably a means to an end. But I want her to to grow to like value them, I guess. So based on that, how are you going to play the character and role play and like kind of manifest those things? Have you thought about that? Um, a little bit. And again, like it, it's a it's a tough like tightrope to walk, because if you do it, if you play like the brooding class a little too much, then it doesn't lend itself at all to to any growth or collaboration. And most of my other characters have just been like full bore, like we're friends, let's go. So yeah, I need to find I I've thought about it, but I haven't. I mean, obviously, like play tested it or anything. I want to I need to I need to find that that line between the two. I need her to feel a little reluctant, but not be reluctant enough that it grinds the the conversations or the game down. But if she's not like, I don't know if she's not reluctant in the beginning then there's no growth. Like if she's just like, I'm a well-adjusted person the whole time. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like, uh, like she didn't learn anything. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, it is something that I am aware of and, and will probably course correct several times. Yeah. And I think that's fine too. Is there anything else you want to share about, uh, arc? I do. So you asked Billy about, I, there's a couple things. Uh, you asked Billy about personality flaws, bonds, that kind of stuff. So her yep. personality traits are that she always has a plan for what to do when things go wrong. Um, and that she's incredibly so slow to trust. Uh, those who seem the fairest often have the most to hide. So she's not, she doesn't have like a traumatic background, um, but she's seen enough, you know, like growing up in the junker trade that like everybody's trying to get a little bit over like you're just wheeling and dealing. So she came from that. Uh, her ideals are bounties are the law and I am the law. She really wants to be something kind of greater than she grew up to be. Um, so she takes that very seriously. Her bond is that she needs a ship if she's going to be a great bounty hunter. And then her flaw is with when faced with a choice between money and friends, I'll usually choose the money. And a lot of times with my characters, you know, I've mentioned this before. I want I want two goals for them. I want like a long term and a short term. So her long term is to get the ship. Her short term is to like get the bounty, which, you know, feeds into the long term. And then the eso not esoteric, but maybe like next next level is to fix the flaw. Mm. Um, so that's that's the like if you're thinking cinematically like the pivotal point where like she has to choose between friends and money and you're like oh you know normally she would choose money and then she chooses friends kind of thing so she has to grow in order to fix that flaw uh the other thing i wanted to talk about so i took i'm mean, the human so i took a feat because i love feats and her feat is magic initiate Ooh. because I, I felt like the ranger like you get some spells you get some stuff but one of the things that bounty hunters are like really well known for are gadgets and, and cool tricks that they have up their sleeves. Uh, so I wanted to give her some some other tools. So I, I took a couple cantrips and I think one uh, one more first level spell for her uh, and reskinned all of them to do Star Warsy stuff. Nice. Do you want to share what those are or do you want to wait, wait and use them in the game? Uh, sure, I'll share them because I might. Who knows? I might not use a single one of them. Um, so I took shocking cantrips. Shocking grasp is like a, a shock glove, basically. Easy stuff. Uh, the light cantrip was just her lantern. Who knows? I don't have dark vision. I don't know if y'all do. Ensnaring, so then her first level spells. Ensnaring strike is a ranger spell. I, that's just like a bolo. Um, Hunter's mark. The, I, I struggled a little trying to reskin this one. So I just had it like geotagging. Like, and then fog cloud is just like a smoke bomb. And then Thunder Wave is like her last like oh shit button basically. Her like armored defense has like a you hit the their big red button and it suits it shoots out like a pulse in case she gets overwhelmed. Very cool. Yeah, to, to 
cycle back to to my guy. He's not not tech worthy. Like he mm-hmm, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't prefer it, but like his I forgot to say, like the uh everybody got a magic item, right? Oh yeah, I didn't pick one. You probably I thought should. you I thought you had the your jump boots. Did Were you, jump you? Boots? Did you, you listen. listen to the? I was like, "How do you know that we talked about that?" <laughs> I um, yeah, you don't. And I, I was like one of three people that listened to it, and I commented. <laughs> if you didn't see, I commented that being effective is overrated. I did yeah, see I that, that actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I could. I could. What? What? I, we hadn't talked to Bill about it yet, so I didn't want to commit. No, it, it makes sense. We're level four. We have one item, so. <clears throat> Mine is so one of them is just a plus one axe because it makes the yeah. most sense and it's kind of because even though they're all officially the same, they are definitely not equal in power. Um, yeah. yeah, so I took my the main one that I took is very powerful, but it made the most sense thematically. So his plate armor is mind temple plate armor which Ooh. i don't know exactly what it's called in the in the game it may actually be called something different um but basically what it does is it gives me advantages on intelligent wisdom and charisma saving throws nice which i thought was good because he was a hut bodyguard and so as he became a captain in the hut bodyguard they, he was issued this armor because it gives him um, it makes it harder to do like force mind tricks on him. Mm. And that's exactly what the hut would want. They don't want like a guard to just have anybody who's force sensitive to just. Um, yeah, they it. discovered their one big flaw that you can just tell their guards to turn around and they're like, okay. Yeah, so like only <laughs> the guard captains have it. So it is, I haven't figured out thematically how it would work to make Damn. it immune. So I thought like, oh, it'd be like computer and all this other stuff. And then I just realized it could also just be armor that has like. Like thousands of little like dermal pins in it that as you move or anything like that, it just constantly like pricks you enough that like it's you know hmm. it uh that's bad keeps you in the, in the moment so you can't yeah. be like taken exactly. away mentally. Yeah. So as soon as you do something like it just pricks you enough that like you're always paying attention to what's happening. Like it's hard to. Okay. Um, that's fair, but you have to take one d six every time you walk. Oh yeah. <laughs> In case the pins malfunction. Yeah, it was like very slight dermal, just enough like uh you know, because he also has thick pig skin. Yeah. I don't know, but if you guys think of something else thematic that well, would do Star Wars that. it's like a semi magical world where like you use yeah. hyper crystals to create a lightsaber, you know. Yeah, I if was... there's metal like Mandalorian metal is really special, like maybe it's some kind of like just by virtue of the metal. Yeah, like itself. Force... I like the idea. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's pretty sweet. Um, I like. I get what you're saying. Just mm-hmm. because he's a he's a fighter and a guard, he, but he's not like a luddite. Like he still lives in Star Wars galaxy, and you know, yeah. can like that- fly a ship and use technology. Um, yeah, he can open. You have to use open use technology to open doors. You know, like right. Yeah, <laughs> he's not he's not an idiot. He prefers to not use. Like he has his axe. Yeah. Yeah, well, technology can fail, and axe is hard to fail right. in the hands of a yeah. Gamorrean. And so, like, and I, his, I like his, the dermal. I like the idea that you came up with so far because I feel like it it plays into his like physicality and potential to rage. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And I, I thought it would work with like the, the huts because they are not really like super high tech people, and it, they don't really care about their bodyguards. So you give something that's uncomfortable for them, but it makes them better at their job. Yeah, yeah it's perfect. like it, can he over. Can he overpower his suit to like force some sort of benefit from his class? I don't know, but it seems like there's a cool thing to play off of there. Yeah, well, it's the and, rage mechanic. It makes yeah perfect sense. for sure. And his um his like the the plus one great axe. I was just gonna have that like it's that almost like electro great axe that you see that. That you know, so you're you can go hand hand just in case we find somebody with like a lightsaber or anything like that. That's his goal. Is well, he blades? Can, yeah, vibro blades. Yeah, so it, could so be vibro axe. it would be like either a vibro axe or like an electric axe, yeah. but it doesn't do electric damage, so yeah, vibro mm-hmm. axe would probably mm-hmm. be the best. Um, because supposedly those stand up to lightsabers, yeah. 
that's that's what they say. I mean, like you, we'll see. Based on my um, limited knowledge of video games. Yeah. What? So, nuts and bolts. What level items did y'all give yourselves, and how many? I did two uncommon items. Okay. That's yeah. The great axe plus one is mm-hmm. uncommon, and the mind temple plate armor is uncommon as well. Yeah. But it is a much more powerful uncommon. So, where are, yeah, that's pretty. Where are you? What, what list are you super from? I looked f- just from the player's handbook. Um, the treasures, like the rewards section. Or maybe it's the I'm on, I'm on like a wiki that's got a whole bunch. Yeah. But the, the I believe the player's handbook breaks out magic items in sure. by tier. And yeah, I j- we just picked. If you go to if you go to D and D Beyond and you just look at ma- dash ma- or, uh, slash magic dash items, uh, you'll see the list that I used, and you can just switch to uncommon and then select armor, and it is called Mind Carapace Armor. It is part of the Volos Guide to Monsters. So yeah, that's that's why I like the the online list because it it has every everything on it, not yeah. just the player's handbook. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But instead of a carapace, I made it mind temple. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just made it a little bit more. Sounds badass. Yeah. Mind temple sounds really cool. But yeah, it is. It is uncommon armor. And it has to be on plate, which makes sense because he's a uh, for the feet he took is heavy armor because normally uh, barbarians cannot wear heavy armor. But oh, that is feet yeah. he took. So was, does the armor interfere with any of the barbarian mechanics? It does not, as long as you have the heavy armor uh, feet, mm, the yeah. one that he took. And I guess so, that at that point, that's going to be more advantageous than the natural armor that you'd get from the barb. Yeah, he has no dexterity, which is what it, it's it's like strength, dexterity, and uh, constitution. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's dexterity and constitution, not strength mm-hmm. at all. His yeah. dex is bad. He's a pig monster. It's not yeah. bad. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> And so, like, yeah, it would definitely, he's, you know, he's a full bodyguard. And, like, mm-hmm. I think that it made sense that instead of the wearing the diapers that he had when he was a, like, a, just a normal bodyguard, like, yeah. they gave him, like, you know, higher end plate armor. You know, it's pretty common in Star Wars. Yeah. They yeah. upgraded him to the metal on, yeah. at a certain point, And then they gave him some legs to yeah. add to it. It's like his yeah. first green set of armor. Exact term. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Well, I'll uh I'll introduce my character real quick and then we'll pass it over to Mark uh for and we'll wrap up this session. So I'm playing a a, a tech smuggler named Bidu Dodama. He is a Rodian, and Bidu has always been the galaxy's most curious Rodian. Some would say that his curiosity is what'll get him killed, but Bidu is interested not fool and he inherited his parents obsessive scientific intellect and just can't help but under understand and explore the world so bidu tried to put his mind to constructive use as a republic scientist but he became bored with just mundane research and started tinkering on his own and his research caught the attention of an insecure senior scientist who then set bidu up for smuggling top secret technology and claimed bidu's research for the republic bidu escaped before he could be arrested and taking with him some of the prototypes that he developed. He's now wanted as an outlaw scientist by the Republic, and Bidu now uses his intelligence to do what he was accused of in the first place, smuggling top-secret technology. And as it turns out, he's pretty good at doing just that. So he is an arcane trickster that I just reskinned and just tried to take that basically as, as pretty much straight, as straightforward from the player's handbook as I could, which was actually pretty easy. Um, one of the things that I did kind of make like, uh, I wanted to talk to you about Mark. I gave him like, uh, in terms of like the skills, one of them is Arcana, which I kind of assumed in this world might be like science or technology. And I just wanted to kind of confirm that with you before we actually started playing. Yeah, no, that makes total sense to me. Okay. Cause like it, it could either be that, or I guess like also like force type stuff, but he definitely wouldn't have any like knowledge with that. So I just tried to pick one that made sense. Um, yeah. And I think that also um, in this world, you know, like 
people know of the force, but not everyone. It's a big galaxy. So people have studied it perhaps in different ways. Some people might call it science. Some people might call it religion. Yeah. So I think that plays in well. Nice. Um, so I did, the only thing I guess I homebrewed, and I just used Tasha's rule set for homebrewing the Rodian race. And essentially it's just, it's a plus two to dex, plus one to wisdom. Because uh, he has, they have like very sensitive hearing. So they can see an infrared. So he has dark vision to 60 feet and the infrared cool. spectrum. Uh, I gave him a hearing bonus, which is advantage, just advantage on hearing perception checks using hearing because they do have those sensitive orifices. It's just like something that's mentioned in their race wiki. And then uh, I also gave him weakness to cold because they are a more reptilian and they're cold-blooded. So I feel like <laughs> if cold damage was used against him, he'd be vulnerable to it. That and makes then, sense. Yeah. And then they also have like suction cup fingers. So I think I gave him just like proficiency and sleight of hand uh, because they have those suction cup fingertips so mechanically that's i tried to like make sure that there was some kind of weakness in there to kind of counteract the any like bonuses that he would get but they're not terribly powerful or anything the cool thing about um the arcane trickster that i really love is they have mage hand ledger domain which is just a boost to the mage hand cantrip so the prototype technology that Bidu developed was like a tactile hollow projector. So like a small little projector that could actually interact with the world, even though it's um, made out of like electrons or, you know, something less tangible, but it's pretty limited in what it can do. Um, so it's basically just mage hand, but it's like a cool little hollow hand is what I called it. I love that. That's sweet. And then I gave him the observant feet because he's a scientist and it's just uh, part of his personality that he's just like very interested in the world. Um, that gives an intelligence bump of one. It gives you the ability, if you can see a creature's mouth while it's speaking a language you understand, you can interpret it by reading its lips. And then you have a plus five bonus to passive, passive wisdom perception and passive intelligence investigation scores. Oh, wow. Which is really nice. So his like passive perception is 19 based on that Jeez. which is huge wow okay that is um, huge i need to keep that in mind yeah and what else uh in terms of those magic items the the things that i gave him were a weapon of warning so it's technically a magical weapon but it doesn't add any damage bonus what it does is it warns you of danger while the weapon is on your person you have an advantage on initiative rolls in addition, any of your companions within 30 feet can't be surprised except when incapacitated by something other than non-magical sleep. The weapon makes you, uh, magically awakens you and your companions within range if any of you are sleeping naturally when combat begins. So I kind of imagine him building in like he's he's wanted by the Republic. So I imagine he built in this like proximity sensor into his blaster mm -hmm. that like is tuned to, to maybe certain frequencies or something along those lines and it just like either beeps or buzzes or you know gives him some kind of alert to kind of help him get a jump on get, mainly running away like that's his that's his mo is like running and hiding but that assistant is like the how i tried to reskin that weapon and then the other thing that i gave him was a distortion weave scarf which is basically like a cloak and cloak of elven kind which just helps with like being stealthy and hiding that's so, sweet. So some of the things that I wanted to experiment with Bidu is I wanted to try and speak in Rodian, which is just a made up language, but I want to play around with that kind of like Billy's problem, the communication problem. One way I'm going to address that is I'm just going to translate because Rodian, I think might be a more common language, but in the post process, in the post of this, I'm going to edit that out the translation. So it's just, it'll kind of be like playing off of whatever Kind of like how they do in the movies. That could be really cool. I want to play around with it just from like a storytelling perspective, just to see how it goes. But if it doesn't work, then I'll then I'll dump it. Yeah, like how Hans just like talks to Chewie, and everybody else is like, "What?" Yeah, and he'd be like, "Oh, oh yeah, I agree. The the steak tartare is quite good." But with some of his spells, all of his spells are going to be tech based. So 
in terms of the um, arcane trickster kind of spell set that I picked, Hollow Hand, of course, that's like required for arcane trickster. I pulled some spells from our Unearthed Arcana for like modern spells. So one is just called On Off, and that lets you activate or deactivate any electronic device within range as long as it has like a clear on off function. So I think it's just like a little hack that he can do as a cantrip. That's so funny. That seems like something that would be useless in Dungeons and Dragons normally, yeah. but and now it's like everything's going to have an on off switch. That's like, it's exactly why I tried to, where I picked it. It's just like, this actually could be incredibly useful only in this world or some kind of like high tech world. And then another cantrip was sapping sting, which is essentially like a vicious mockery, but instead of um, like disadvantage or anything, if it hits, it's a 1d4 damage and it knocks them prone for a turn or for their, like just knocks them prone. They have to get up. Um, so it's essentially like a, uh, like a, like a, his runaway tactic. He'll try and like knock them down and then flee. So those are his cantrips. And then for spells, he has detect droid, which is just find familiar, um, which he'll typically use uh, for like a little seeker droid. Real time translator, which is comprehend languages. And then two more unearthed arcana spells. One is called distort value, which. I think is mostly just like a, a flavor type spell. It allows you to like swindle. Let me read the description. Oh, interesting. It's, I felt like for a smuggler, it would be the perfect spell. Uh, you cast this object on a, or cast a spell on an object, doubling the object's perceived value by adding illusionary flourish or reducing its perceived value by half with the help of illusionary dents and scratches. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, anyone examining must roll an investigation check against your spell spell safe to to see. So I thought that was kind of fun for like a it's more of a thematic spell. And then the last one is remote access and this is another one basically lets you kind of do more hacking essentially but to a a finer degree, I guess. You can use any electronic device within range as if it were in your hands. It's not telekinesis. Rather, it lets you simulate a device's mechanical functions electronically. You're able to ask, access only functions that a person using the device would be able to access. You can only use it with one device at a time. So I thought it was just thematic for him. He's a techie scientist smuggler type of thing. So like hacking into things would be just something that he would be be able to do yeah that's super cool and a lot of this oh. stuff is done just through he's wears a power mandalorian power shield which is like a gauntlet that emits just like a field um and that's just studded leather armor which is 15 ac which is like just normal i guess yeah i did want to ask or maybe i mean this might be for in game proper but um I would be intrigued to know how Bidu came across the Lorian power shield. Yeah, I think that actually happened just through his smuggling trade. Like he goes through, he acquires stuff, he flips stuff. He's always moving, you know, contraband. So I think that's kind of, I don't have like a story, a full story behind it, but I think that's like how it might've come up. Unless, yeah, that makes sense. I, I didn't know if you had some backstory where he, you know, like beat some buddy or won something or you know what i mean but that's that makes total sense yeah and then like if a, something like that came through your shop you would probably keep it yourself right could. yeah you keep the good stuff and then of course he likes to tinker so he likes to like modify anything that he's got yeah that's some of like the tech gear that he uses so yeah that's be do nice sounds sweet i feel like you guys have a lot of really interesting characters going on here and you've covered a lot of bases i know you didn't like coordinate skills or anything but you know i feel like got some got the major badass barbarian you've got a bunch of tech and like you're gonna be able to do the tech stuff got a droid coming along it's gonna be fun yeah we've got a this is i could be happier with this party makeup actually and i think it'll happen within silos which is well i guess billy was able to like listen to what eric and i yeah and this is this is interesting I won't go into too much detail because one of my personal... Oh, you know what, Chris? Um, 
we didn't do, I wanted to hear a little bit about your thoughts on like your personal, what's the challenge and goal for your role play with this character? Oh, like you yeah. asked the others. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Well, one thing that I wanted to challenge myself with this character is I wanted to bring in some of the stuff we've been talking about in past episodes. So trying to flesh out more of the bonds, ideals, traits, those things to kind of and make those such that they push and pull the character. I want to really try to embody those and bring those into the character. Um, that's going to be really important, like at least for me to get fulfillment out of this game. I'm also I really want to have fun with like playing this different voice and playing a different type of character who's like more maybe investigative or logical or you know intelligent i think it's hard to play like really intelligent players or uh, characters um because i feel like i'm just normally intelligent so trying to role play somebody who's super smart i think will be a challenge yeah and then just kind of doing the the rodian voice is going to be a fun way to explore some role playing but i'm really kind of curious <laughs> and nervous about how that's gonna how that's gonna play out and then I guess what's in, in terms of like what drives him, um, he's his personality. He's he, he's calm no matter what. He doesn't raise his voice or let his emotions control him. He likes to observe and listen before speaking. Um, so I don't think he'll be the face of the party by any means. The best way to get him to do something is tell him he can't do it. And in terms of ideals, um, freedom. You know, chains are meant to be broken, as are those who would forge them. So that's kind of a chaotic one. Um, people with too much power are corrupt and deserve to be stolen from. So this kind of develops from his uh, ousting as a Republic scientist, um, not trusting people with too much power. And those types of people need to be you know, brought down a peg. Bonds, he only enjoys stealing when it's a challenge. He doesn't steal like when it's easy or he's not necessarily as opportunistic. Mm. And he's aloof. He gets to things on his own time. On his own time and is never in a hurry, uh, only does things if they'll benefit him. And kind of similar to, to Arik, people need to prove their value before he'll trust them. Nice, yeah. I think that's a good one because, again, thematically, you know, makes sense that you guys, having been out in the, in the Star Wars universe, are, you know, you don't trust people because there's very few people to be trusted. Right, and so, I... Yeah, that's a good, it's, that was kind of like the framework I was trying to look through this character, like through their perspective of like, this is going to be a tough world. I found the magical items that I want Arik to have. Do it, do tell. Um, so the winged boots, like Billy mentioned that I mentioned last time that I forgot about because I didn't write it on my sheet. Rocket boots. Rocket boots, uh, a la like Cad Bane, basically. Nice. Uh, Are you going to... Go ahead. Nothing. No, I was going to make a stupid Swotar joke. I need to not do that. Go ahead. I don't. Yeah. Um, well, so these boots, it's like they're pretty powerful. I more than likely won't use them to their full extent because they seem like too powerful. While wearing the boots, you have a flying speed equal to your walking speed and you can fly for up to four hours, <laughs> which is insane. Um, yeah, all at day, once. Right. Yeah. A day. Four hours a day is a long time to be flying around. Um, <laughs> you might get tired of all, flying at that point right um, all at once are several several shorter flights each using a minimum of one minute so I might I'm going to nerf that to like there ain't no way she's going to have enough fuel to fly for four hours in these little boots I'll make it more reasonable to where I don't know how, how long she can fly in them but not for four hours straight uh, that, that's insane um, and the other one I picked, I wanted something for uh, RX. So there's a thing from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything called the All-Purpose Tool. Um, oh, that sounds perfect. Crazy interesting. So uh, this simple screwdriver or just thing that's inside RX uh, can transform into a variety of tools. Uh, as an action, you can touch the item, transform into any type of artisan tool of your choice. So see equipment. So it could be any of the artisan tools. Uh, whatever tool you takes, you have a you have proficiency with it. Uh, while holding the tool, you get a bonus to the spell attack roll and the saving throw DC of your artificer spells, which we don't have those. Um, the bonus is determined by the tool's rarity. 
The cool other cool part is as an action, you can focus on the tool and channel your creative forces. Choose a cantrip that you don't know from any class list. For eight hours, you can cast that cantrip and it counts as an artificer cantrip for you. Uh, once this property is used, it can't be used again until the next on. So basically, like he has any artificer tool. So if we need to forge something, we can make him do it. And if I'm like, hey, we need this. We need like a fire lit or something. He can do like a warlock cantrip and set a fire or something like that. But he can only do that once. Well, he could do. It seems like he can do the cantrip for eight hours, but it, I can only switch it once a day. Yeah. Um, Which is still it, like you can't switch your cantrips ever no. normally. So you have the um, ability to have every cantrip available to you. That's rad. Yeah. So it's, it gives him like kind of like a. Felix the cat kind of bag of mini things I can just pull stuff from, which is what I want my droid to do. Perfect. Yeah, that's a perfect item. Like that is absolutely thematic and useful. And yeah, that is absolutely amazing. And I'll do my best to not like make it crazy. Well, like, just keep in mind too, there's only three of us. So having we're a little under not I don't think we're underpowered. We actually have a pretty well optimized group this time. Yeah, yeah. But we're still maybe one or two characters short, so... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, but I, I mostly mean, like, I'll figure... I need to figure out how to, like, reskin these things. So, like, Mei-Chan uh, would be hard for him to... Like, I don't know how he would do that. Mending, easy. You know, like, so there there are some... Elder's Blast is just... I shoot stuff at him. I shoot damage at him. So there's... But, like, Druidcraft, how the hell... Like, so there's just some that I'm going to have to figure out. Don't worry, you'll never use Druidcraft. Druids I know, right? don't use Druidcraft. I'm looking at a list of stuff. Like, what is it? Um, like, yeah, so there's just some that... I don't know if I could... Shillelagh, like, what What would he do? Um, <laughs> Swing a hammer around. Yeah. But, like, acid splash, easy. He shoots acid. Like, yeah. That or, like, hot oil too. or whatever. <laughs> this murder utility droid. Oh, that's awesome. All right, uh, Mark, is there anything you wanted to cover with respect to the game, to the setting, the story, or anything else before we wrap up this Zero Session Part 2? I don't think so. No, I think I think we are good. Do I also you... don't quite know because it's my first trip down this rabbit hole. So, you know, we're gonna, we'll stumble through some things, but I think we are. it's definitely a good team. And now my concern has flipped from... When at first I was like, okay, we're going to have a couple medical droids and they're just going to get totally dominated. And now I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing. We got, <laughs> we got the cover. We got wisdom here. We got strength here. We've got everything. Like you guys are, are ready for this adventure, I think. Well, let's not, uh, let's not wait. Let's not hesitate. That's it for our Zero Session update for Deep and Creeping Darkness. Join us next week a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away as Arik, Bidu, and Gupt get swept up in this Star Wars 5e adventure. Take your TIE Fighter over to plus1togaming.com to subscribe for updates on live play episodes, character building tips, DM resources, and more. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.